Hey everybody, welcome to episode 323 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from Austin, Texas. Excited to be back with you after a week away on vacation. And I'm going to be talking about a topic that I've been getting a lot of questions about recently. And this, these questions come in two forms. I'm getting questions that of people that are asking me about building their mileage, building their foundation, perhaps for the first time. And I'm getting a similar question from people that might have had an injury and a layoff and are asking about how to rebuild their foundation from a, a break that's happened, often a forced break. So we're going to be talking about the things I would keep in mind as you're either building or rebuilding your running foundation, your volume, as you try to plan and prepare for a race that might be to come. Before we get there, I want to quickly thank my sponsors for this episode, Care Of, a longtime partner of mine, and then BetterHelp, also another now longtime partner of mine. Both of them are sponsoring this episode, and I'll be giving you offer codes and more info on both of those partners of mine mid-episode, so stay tuned for that. As we jump into this conversation about building or rebuilding your running volume, I want to first set some context, which is to say that there are really a couple notes. One is that your individual journey to build your foundation is going to look different from somebody else's, whether you're building or rebuilding, and that's going to depend on your history of sport, your history of movement, your history perhaps of running at some period in your life in the past. It's going to depend in the case of somebody coming back from an injury. It's going to depend on what that injury looked like. And so I'm not going to necessarily give you a day-by-day type plan in this conversation to help you build or rebuild your foundation. Instead, I'm going to give you some principles to think about to apply to your own situation. And then you have to kind of adapt and think through how that applies to your situation. And in general... When you're doing that, my second point here is that I want you to take a conservative path. I want you to consider a conservative path because it's better for you to be consistent, stay healthy as you build or rebuild than it is to try to do it too aggressively and get hurt along the way and then have a setback. And so it becomes, for many people, sort of a one step forward, two steps back scenario. Instead, I want you to be taking steps forward consistently by being conservative in your choices. And so I'm going to give you some rules of thumb about that in this episode. But in general, I want you to be conservative so that you can build a sustainable foundation because what you can do consistently is going to be way better than you spiking things for a week and then having to take a few days off or have a setback where you have to drop back for a week because you've been too aggressive. So I want you to think about this in a very conservative fashion as we talk through this this topic. I'm going to give you nine different points to consider while you're either building or rebuilding your foundation. And the last thing I'll say before I jump into the topic is that what I'm talking about here is not necessarily applicable for somebody who has missed a week or even two weeks because of an injury or illness. If you're jumping in after a week or two weeks, you're going to be able to build back more aggressively. And so that's not the audience for this episode. This is for that 
person who is either building for the first time or rebuilding after an extended break. And I would consider extended being beyond three weeks worth of time because it takes about three weeks to fully detrain. So if you've only missed a week or two weeks, you can do it more aggressively. But these nine points are for those that have missed longer or who are building their foundation for the first time. So let's jump into my nine points. Number one, number one is you have to make it boring. You have to make it boring. I've already talked about being conservative in your build. And this is sort of the corollary point to that, which is that it's not going to be interesting or sexy or dynamic necessarily when you first start building a foundation. It's going to be about putting one foot in front of another doing it on as many days as you can. And I'll talk about how you might build those days in a minute, but it's not going to be that interesting or exciting for you initially, at least by most people's definitions. I think it's interesting and exciting as a running coach who just is excited to get out myself from day to day, whether I'm doing something interesting or not. But for most people, most people's definition of movement, it's not going to be interesting and exciting to build your foundation for the first time or to rebuild your foundation. It's going to have to be boring. It's going to be about putting one foot in front of another for as many days as an easy, at an easy effort as you can so that you can safely build that consistent foundation. And this is one area in the fitness space where I struggle as a running coach is when I look at the fitness offerings that are out there, most of them are too intense, too dynamic for most people. If you're talking about hit workouts or crazy sort of dance on your spin bike, spin classes, they're too high intensity for building your long-term running trajectory. And I get why people want that because it's fun. It's exciting. It gets that adrenaline pumping. It makes you hurt. And again, in sort of American culture, we think that American workout culture, we think that if we're not hurting, then we're not actually doing anything that's benefiting us when the exact opposite is true, especially when you're just starting. So you want to be doing things that are extremely boring, that are at easy efforts. We'll talk more about this as we go, that may not look dynamic at all in the initial stages so that you can safely build that foundation, that routine again. And so it's going to be about really boring runs initially. And again, I think these things can be exciting because it's about moving and learning and establishing an aerobic foundation through consistency that's going to allow you to build to a much higher place down the road. And so there are things to get excited about early in the journey, but it's by most people's definition and certainly by society's definition of what's exciting in our workout culture, it is not going to be interesting. For a one-on-one client, if I'm building their foundation for the first time, then usually we'll start out with just building days first with short efforts. And so it might look like three, four, five weeks of doing essentially the same thing, getting an easy effort runs or run walks so that you can establish that consistency so that you can load the neuromuscular system and the musculoskeletal system so that it doesn't break when you start to ramp up further. 
So again, and all of that's of course going to vary depending on where your exact starting point is and what your background is, but it's going to not be interesting and you have to really embrace that in whatever form you can. And I would contend that there's a couple of ways to embrace it. One is just by understanding the long-term vision, the long-term picture of what it's doing for you by starting in that way. When we run easy, when we do it more consistently, we establish an aerobic capacity building foundation that literally begins to change our physiology from the inside out, adding lung capacity, adding the ability for our red blood cells to carry oxygen more efficiently within our bloodstream, adding blood vessels, literally new capillaries to our working muscles, adding mitochondria to our cells, and then improving the efficiency all along that aerobic chain. Those micro changes on the inside of our body is what starts to happen when you start to establish a consistent routine around running at easy efforts. And so when you're getting into this and when you're starting or restarting, you want to be thinking about that as the long-term perspective on why you're starting in this way. And if you go too hard, by the way, you, you negate many of those benefits. Also, you're beginning to load the musculoskeletal system, as I just alluded, so that you can get it adjusted to what's happening to your body when you're adding impact to the equation. And so again, this is going to vary dramatically depending on what your starting point is, what your history is in sport, what your history is with movement in terms of how quickly your neuromuscular system and musculoskeletal systems will adapt. But when we start to load by doing this activity, then the body gets used to the load. Bone density begins to improve. Bone size over time actually gets bigger by having the impact on your legs and that improves a lot of different things from bone density to obviously muscular strength to joint function and it's an absolute myth that these types of movements will tear you down and certainly they will if you're doing it the wrong way but in reality movement especially running movement will actually build up your musculoskeletal resilience if you do it in the right way. And so you're starting to establish that musculoskeletal resilience. You're also, of course, beginning to build the mental capacity to engage in the sport. And I think we, I've talked about resilience recently on an episode, and I think a big part of resilience is, is actually just being able to do things that aren't exciting and grind through it. And getting in these runs, getting it done is certainly a way to do that and build mental resilience, which is going to carry over to races down the road if you want to do those. And so there's a whole lot of things you can get excited about by just putting one foot in front of the other, putting one foot in front of the other and getting this stuff done in, a, in an unexciting and boring way that can help you frame it in a way that's interesting. And then the other part of this, of course, is that you can make it interesting by doing certain things that add some fun to it, whether that be putting together playlists while you're doing the activity so that you can get your music going, listening to podcasts while you're doing it, perhaps finding and meeting friends who want to join in the journey with you so you can do it with others and do it together so that you can hold each other accountable to not only getting it done, but also getting it done in the right ways. So there are ways to make it interesting 
You can also explore new areas, new places, new routes is one way. I like to keep my running interesting. And so there's a, there's there's ways to keep it interesting even if the workout itself isn't as dynamic as you are perhaps used to. So point number one here, you've got to keep it boring, absolutely boring. Again, there's ways to make it interesting and fun, but I want the base activity to look very boring. It's about checking boxes. It's about establishing a foundation so that you can build on it and then ultimately get your best work done down the road. So that's point one. It's going to be boring. Keep it boring. Point two, it's all about routine. You have to first establish what your routine will look like, what you'll be able to consistently pull off before you start to put together what the overall plan could look like and how to build it. So what are the days that you're going to be running? How over time will those days evolve to establish their specific purposes? And also, how do your supplementary activities fit into the overall equation, including strength workouts, which we'll have our own dedicated point on. But the main thing here is it is really, really hard to establish consistency if you don't have a consistent routine. Obviously, things happen, and so you're not always going to be able to have the perfect routine. I get that. That's a part of my world for sure. But you do need to have that baseline perspective on what it will look like. What days are you going to be able to run? How does that fit into your schedule and or the support that you might need to get in those runs? And also, where does the supplementary activity fit in if you're going to be incorporating things like strength workout, yoga, whatever else you might want to incorporate so that you can fit it all together in a way that's sustainable? Science tells us that it takes six months to establish a consistent, habitual exercise routine. Six months. So it's not six days or six weeks of doing something. It's six months of doing something consistently. And it's going to be very, very difficult to do anything consistently for six months unless you have a routine that's going to as that's going to stick and be as closely repeatable as possible throughout the weeks. Embedded in this point is the idea that for you, if you want to commit to getting and seeing your long-term potential in running, it's going to require consistent year-round training, consistent year-round training. And that doesn't mean that every week is perfect. That doesn't mean you don't have weeks that are lower volume or lower load for vacation or recovering from a race or whatever it may be, or tapering for a race. But in general, to the extent that you can train as consistently as possible year round, then that's going to allow you to ultimately reach your highest potential. I can tell you when I first started running, I was the type of runner who would sign up for a race, train hard for that race, get a result, then take three months off until I had another race that I could sign up for. And then I would sign up for that race and then I would start all over again and build back from scratch. And that is the type of ebbing and flowing that we want to try to avoid as much as possible because it creates big gaps in your training that cause you to have to rebuild and start over again. Unfortunately for us, aerobic fitness doesn't stick around very long. 
It lasts about three weeks and takes much longer to rebuild from scratch. And so if you're having these big gaps in your training, it's going to certainly limit your long-term potential and cause you to plateau. You might see gains initially by, by just having blocks of time where you're training specific races, but if you want to reach your full potential and avoid a potential plateau, it's going to require year-round training, which means you, have, you need to have as much as possible a consistent routine that you can hold more or less year-round I can also tell you after we had our first kid, I had to change my routine dramatically. I used to run in the evenings because I'm a night owl and that was the most efficient time for me to get my training in. But when we had our first child, it took me nine months to figure out that that wasn't happening anymore and I wasn't going to be able to consistently be a night runner with, with kids. And so I switched to being a morning runner after nine months and I was able to put it all together again by reestablishing a consistent routine that was centered around the morning time, which was a big transition, but one that I've essentially kept to this day. And so it's all about establishing a routine. So part of it is knowing what days you can get what work done, how that all fits together with your schedule. And then the second layer to that is figuring out what, on what days you will end up doing your main work. And so the three big days in our training philosophy are the long run, the quality workout or speed workout, and the medium long run. Then of course you'll have other recovery days around that and we'll talk more about how that all fits together. But what I do want you to think about when you're establishing your routine, even if you're not doing a super long run yet or incorporating speed yet is on what days will those eventually slot in so that you can have that in mind as you start to put together this plan to establish or reestablish your foundation. So when is your long run going to be? Where does that fit into your schedule? Most people, it falls on a weekend, but I have athletes that I coach who choose to do it during the week because their work schedule isn't necessarily one of the more traditional eight to five or nine to five type jobs and that's okay so where does your long run fit where does your speed workout fit where would your medium long run fit those those should all be at least two days apart from each other with recovery running in between if possible and again we'll talk more in a second about how that all might fit together but i want you to at least as you start to build have penciled in what you think the the days would be for each of those things, for each of the purposes that you would ultimately want to achieve on your training days. So for many people in our groups, we've got people that have Monday, medium long run day, Wednesday, quality workout, speed workout, Saturday, long run, or Tuesday, quality, Thursday, medium long, Saturday, long run is another routine that people have in our world, but you could flip some of those and and throw a Sunday long run in there if that's your preference. But mainly you just want to start to earmark what are the days where those are going to fit into your routine so that as you start to build, you know which days to build from and which days will ultimately have each of those key elements built into them. So establish your routine absolutely critical and know over time what days you want to do those key components so that you can do them as consistently as possible. 
So that's point number two. It's all about routine. And then point three, once you know what days are going to be what, then you need to start to put together that build plan. And there's a very important sequence to that. I want you to build days first, then distance, then add speed. Build days first, then add distance, then add speed. It's very, very important to do it in that order. So you want to build days first, meaning the number of days you're running during the week, then start to add distance, add mileage to those days. And then once you get to a certain baseline of distance, then you can start to add speed work into the equation. It's very important that we keep that sequence because it allows your body to adapt to the load in a way that's going to be sustainable. Too often I see people add all their days at once, then start layering in too much distance at once. And then they're all doing that while also adding in speed to the equation. And so they're basically hitting on all three things at once. They're adding days, they're adding distance, and they're adding speed all at the same time. And what will happen in those situations most often is the musculoskeletal system will break. You will get injured. And so we want to be very patient in building, build days first, then add distance to some of those days, then add speed workouts to the equation. In just a moment, I'll give you some thresholds where I think you can consider adding each of those components. And this is where I have to give you perhaps some bad news for those that are looking to build for the first time is that I want you to ultimately be running at least four days a week, at least four days a week. There are very few circumstances where I recommend people doing less than that. And for the most part, I'm recommending that people build up to running five or six days a week in most cases. So you need to be thinking about running at least that many days per week. And again, I'm mostly going to advocate for five or six, but in some cases I can be okay with somebody doing four and having a fifth day as a low impact cross training day that's also low aerobic intensity. But the main message here is you want to be doing as many days a week as you can sustainably. And for most people, that's going to be more than you're thinking about. So you want to build days first, then distance, then speed. And my general rule of thumb on this is that you want to add a day per week as you build. And I think most people can start with at least two days, many people three running every other day to start. So you want to start with two or three days and then build by a day per week as you go, as you start to establish that consistency. So week one might be two days. Week two might be three days of running. Week three might be three days. Week four might be four days and so on. And so you're going to start very conservatively building days first. And those days should all be some sort of minimum dosage. For most people, I recommend starting with 20-minute efforts. Those 20-minute efforts might be run-walk, and that's okay. Or they could be all running, depending on what you're able to do at an easy effort. So you're going to be doing 20-minute efforts, building days first, adding a day per week. And then once you have established the number of days that you're targeting, whether that be four or five, or perhaps six for those veterans coming back. Then you can start to build distance with a focus on 
the long run and the quality day, what will be your quality day with the medium long run being the third priority. And I want you to build by three or four miles per week, not more than that, as you build distance. And then I recommend not adding speed work until you get to about 25 miles per week of consistent running. Now, one caveat to that is I'm okay with you doing strides as a form of speed work after one run per week as soon as you've established your days consistently. So once you get through the days, you can start to add strides. And strides, again, are short controlled sprints done in 80 to 100 meter segments where you're doing a short controlled sprint. You're walking back and repeating that for four to five to ultimately six reps. That's okay to do once you've established your days, but I don't want any more advanced speed work than that until you've gotten to at least 25 miles per week of running. And a rough blueprint for what that would look like would be a 10 mile long run, a medium long run, and a quality workout that are five miles each, and then a couple of two and a half to three mile recovery runs for five days a week of about 25 miles per week. So don't add speed until you've established the days, you've gotten your distances at about 10 miles for the long run, about five miles for the medium long run, about five miles for the quality workout. And then you've got recovery runs that are a couple of recovery runs that are fitting in there as well. So those are some rules of thumb, but it's really, really important to remember that they are just that. They are rules of thumb. Again, add days first then start to add distance, but no more than three to four miles per week as you build. Then add speed once you get to about 25 miles per week. You could do strides before that, but nothing more complicated until you get to about 25 miles per week. Those are all rules of thumb that may or may not be perfect in your situation. There are many of you that might need to build even more conservatively than what I just laid out, and that's going to be okay. I would rather you, as I mentioned at the top, I'd rather you err on the conservative side of the equation and do all of this much more gradually than the rules of thumb I've just laid out and do it consistently than try to ramp up too quickly and have to pull back. So be very, very conservative. When in doubt, err on the conservative side of these rules and consider these rules really just the top end or the top boundary for what you might reasonably be able to do without overdoing it. So use those rules of thumb, but when in doubt, back off a little bit, especially for those that are very, very new to the sport or new to sport in general. So that's point three. Before we get to point four, I want to talk about my sponsor, BetterHelp. They are the largest online therapy provider. They can be there when you have trouble figuring out how to navigate life. I can tell you as a parent, my wife and I recently went through that as we're, we were navigating parenting a teenager, which changed the dynamics in our household. So we reached out to therapy for that support. I've also personally reached out to a therapist when I was having trouble navigating grief in my life after losing a close friend in 2019. It helps you learn about yourself. It helps you learn positive coping skills. And I think it helps you set boundaries for what you need around you in your life in order to be the best version of yourself. 
So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched to a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Running Rogue today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Running Rogue. Go get the support that you need. Okay, let's get back to my list. So we've gotten through three. We just talked about building days first in distance and then adding speed. Let's get to number four. Number four is that until you add speed, all of your running should be easy. Again, this is excluding the caveat of strides, but all of your running should be at easy conversational efforts. And if you need to walk run in order to maintain that type of effort or to keep your heart rate down, then I need you to do that. And this is part of the reason why this stuff is going to be boring is because most of these runs, if not all of them, until you can add speed work, should be done at easy conversational efforts, should be done at a pace that is much slower than you think you might need in order to make sure that you're not only in the right aerobic zone in order to build aerobic capacity to make those physiological changes that I talked about earlier, but also so that you're not putting as much stress on the neuromuscular and the musculoskeletal system so that you can stay healthy as you go. It's absolutely critical to keep these runs easy as you build and easier than you think you need. So hard to do it because I know our ego gets in the way or might be chasing either chasing somebody else or perhaps trying to compete with ourselves from day to day, thinking that if I can just run this same loop around my house faster than the day before, then I'm going to be faster down the road. And unfortunately, that is completely counterproductive approach. It might get you faster for a brief period, but it will typically cause you to plateau and most likely at some point cause you an injury. So make sure you're slowing down. You're doing those slow and easy runs as consistently as you can, walking and running. If you need to combine those two in order to make it sustainable and doing that day after day. Again, not sexy, not necessarily interesting, but absolutely critical to building your initial foundation and absolutely critical to reaching your long-term potential as well because that's the aerobic zone in which you build that aerobic capacity which is going to unlock so much speed down the road once we can start to layer in more interesting work. So please, please slow these runs down. And you might say, well, I can't go that slow. I want you to actually practice going slower than you've ever gone before. For some of you, you might have some ideas about what slow might represent. You might have some ideas about what goals you might have in races. But I can tell you that if you're not running at least a minute per mile slower than a target marathon pace or 90 seconds slower than a target half marathon pace or two minutes slower than a target 10K pace that you might have in in your head or two and a half minutes slower than a target 5K pace that you might have in your head, then you are not going slow enough on these runs. So absolutely, you must slow down. And if you don't do it, then what will happen is you'll get injured or 
you'll plateau really quickly and you won't ultimately achieve that long-term potential. So please, please slow down. Keep all these runs easy until you get to that roughly 25 mile per week threshold. And then once you get to that point, then you can do one day a week of speed work, but that's it. Then all your other days are going to be at the same easy conversational effort so that you can balance things appropriately. That's number four. You have to keep it easy. Number five, you're going to find during the process that you're sore on occasion. That you're sore on occasion. And I have many people that come to me after they start and they'll say, well, I was sore after the run, so I didn't run again that week or the next day if they had had planned at that point. And I want to encourage you that soreness is an indication that your muscles need recovery. And yes, it's normal to have some soreness after a run, especially as you're starting. But that soreness is also an indication that you need movement to create blood flow to promote healing so that you can then go run again. And so soreness is an indicator that you actually need to move again, that you need to go back out there and get in that next run. So I want you to recognize that being sore is okay. It is a sign that you've done work. Now, if you're too sore, have extreme soreness, meaning it's debilitatingly sore, then that's probably a sign that you went too fast on the day before or two days before. And so that's a sign that you need to slow down even more. But it's also a sign that you need some movement to create blood flow, to promote healing. Motion is lotion for our muscles, as one of our coaches likes to say, so that you can then go maintain that consistent routine. So think of soreness as a sign that you actually need that next recovery effort. And as a part of this build, you're going to be running on more days than you have before. You're going to have recovery days built into your plan. And those recovery days are going to come after longer days as you build. And so you want to make sure that when you're sore, that you get out and move. That when you're sore, you get out and move. And in some cases, if you don't have a run on the schedule yet, then on that next day, then you'll just get out for a walk. Go out, walk the dogs, move around, get some movement. You should find that gentle movement actually makes the soreness feel better, maybe even go away, which is a sign of the power of movement and blood flow and the power of active rest. So if you're sore, consider it an okay sign and an indicator that you then need to go out and get that easy recovery effort in, which could be for some of you, if you built to that point, another run for others, it might simply being a walk the next day. If you don't have a run planned in order to create some movement to create blood flow, which promotes healing, which will help that soreness go away. So being sore is okay. That's number five. Number six, and this is a critical point, is that when you're establishing your foundation or even reestablishing your foundation, I don't really want you to be thinking about racing yet. I don't want you to be thinking about racing yet. Oftentimes, people start and start from scratch with a race in mind. And there's nothing wrong with that if that race is far enough out. But I don't think most people give themselves enough time to establish 
a good foundation or reestablish a good foundation if they're coming back from a a long break in order to reestablish a sufficient foundation before they can jump into race-specific training. So for most people, I want you to either establish or reestablish a routine and build consistently for a period of at least three months before you jump into a race-specific training block. And that's not to say for somebody brand new to the sport, that's not to say you can't, hey, jump into a 5K and have fun with it to experience a race during your build where you're doing a three-miler in a 5K that's a part of your weekly routine. That I'm okay with. But when we're talking about really trying to maximize our times or cover a half marathon or marathon distance, get into a longer race, then I much prefer you give yourself plenty of time to establish a foundation or reestablish a foundation before you start thinking about longer races. And that's true, again, whether you're building or rebuilding. For that injured athlete out there, I know it's, it's really, really hard not to just sign up for that next race because you've been used to doing them. You've had that consistency in the past that has allowed you just to jump into that next training cycle. But in this case, if you're rebuilding after a layoff, you don't have that. You need to reestablish it. You need to be, quote, fit enough to train, as we often say around Rogue, in order to really get into a race-specific training block. Reestablish that base first. Reestablish that foundation first that will allow you to then jump into a race-specific training block in a way that's going to be safer and also allow you to get to a better result. So be patient about your racing. Don't race yet while you're establishing the foundation. I'm using another rule of thumb here of about three months of establishing a foundation before you sign up and go through a race-specific training block And that's true whether you're building or rebuilding. In many ways, especially for that injured runner coming back, I don't want them to think about the next race until they've forgotten about their injury, which can take some some time if you've had a longer injury layoff. So that's number six, don't race yet. Before we get to number seven, I want to talk about my other sponsor for this episode, Care Of. I've been partnering with them for over two years now. They're a large vitamin and supplement subscription service that's entirely online. They ship high-quality personalized vitamin supplements and powders conveniently to your door every month so you don't have to think about it. I started working with them over two years ago to make sure I was getting my daily vitamin D supplementation. I've since added other things to my daily packs and I now also take their plant-based protein powder to supplement my protein needs. It's easy. It's convenient. It shows up every month. I don't have to think about it. And also I can take the daily packs with me when I travel. I was just on vacation. It was convenient just to just throw seven days worth of pack packs in my dop kit so that I had what I needed on the go as well. That convenience is my favorite part of working with Care Of. And so I would highly recommend you go to their site. You can take a quiz to identify your personal goals or give you a recommendation on what to include in your packs based on those goals. And then you can simply add what you want based on the recommendations to include in your daily packs. And then they show up at your door and you're off and running. 
no pun intended. So go check it out. Go check out their quiz for 50% off your first order. Go to takecareof.com and enter the code rogue50. Again, that's takecareof.com. Use the code rogue50, R-O-G-U-E-5-0 for 50% off that first order. Go check it out. Okay, now let's get to number seven on my list here. Number seven, strength. Adding strength to your routine. We talked about the importance of routine. I think it's important if you're starting to go ahead and incorporate strength into your process to the extent that you can, not necessarily in a huge way by doing heavy weights and doing a big long routine, but just in a simple, sustainable way so that you can incorporate it now and it becomes a part of your routine that you can gradually expand over time. And so I would recommend if you're just starting with it to do 20 to 30 minutes a couple of times a week focusing on body weight exercises that are really simple to execute and simply incorporate that into your routine now so that you can get the support you need from a strength perspective to stay healthy, but also so that your body adapts to the load so that as you're building the running load, it can incorporate the strength load as well in a sustainable way so that again, you can gradually expand that as you get into both more robust running, but also more robust strength. My general recommendation is that you slot in those strength sessions on the days that will become your medium long run day and your quality workout day after those runs, if possible. If it doesn't fit on those days with the idea that you want to try to keep your hard days hard and your easy days easy, if it doesn't fit on those days, it's okay. Second best choice would be to find two other days where it works, where you can do it consistently and your body will adapt to that load over time, especially since you're doing it now and incorporating it at this early stage. So go ahead and add strength. But if you haven't done it before, focus on really, really simple routines that you can do consistently. And I would recommend keeping the movement simple, keeping it body weight focused initially. It might simply be doing prisoner squats, single leg deadlifts, some other single leg activity like lunges, push-ups, and planks. Those five exercises done consistently a couple of times a week in short routines with body weight only to start will give you a significant advantage in staying injury free and then ultimately layering in more robust strength over time if you can do those things consistently and do them well. So incorporate strength now, but keep it simple, keep it short, and aim to do it as consistently as you can because those small doses done consistently will have a massive impact down the road. You won't necessarily feel feel dramatic differences initially, but over time it will create resilience and ultimately give you a strength foundation to build on that will help your running performance down the road. So number seven is add strength. Do it now. Number eight is incorporating recovery routines to your equation. Incorporating recovery routines to your equation. And I get it. What you might be thinking, Chris, this is too much. You're talking about running and doing more days than I would have thought about. You're talking about adding strength. Now you're talking about adding recovery routines to to, to the equation. That seems like too much. I can't do it all. And I get what you're saying. But what I'm talking about here is really basic things. 
the two most important recovery routines that you can utilize are sleep and fueling. Sleep and fueling. These are things you're already doing. You're already eating, you're already sleeping. So we don't even need to be thinking about optimizing these two things, but I want you to be thinking about how it fits into the overall equation, how they fit into the overall equation in a way, again, that will support the work that you're doing running and in strength training because you can only do as much as you can recover from. And with those two being your most important recovery tools, it's really important to be taking incremental steps to improve both the sleep in your life and the fueling in your life. From a sleep perspective, that's just simply about time, hours. And if you can't get eight hours a night, then get 30 minutes more than you're currently getting. If you can't do it at night, add a a nap a couple of times a week that might be 30 minutes in length that will help you supplement that total sleep time because when you're sleeping, you're recovering. And then from a fueling standpoint, I want you to be thinking about fueling well with a solid, well-balanced, meaning multiple macronutrients, fat, carbs, protein after your runs and particularly after the runs that will become your speed days and your long run days. So those are the days that as a part of your routine, I want you to make sure you're not skipping fueling, for example. So if you're going to run on a Wednesday morning, I don't want you to run and then skip breakfast and go straight to work without getting a decent, well-balanced breakfast so that your body can absorb the recovery tools, absorb the recovery nutrients that it needs to go to work to repair your body for the next run. So make sure that you're fueling well post big runs so that it can all fit together in a way that's going to allow you to to make it sustainable because your body needs the fuel to repair itself. It needs those building blocks immediately after those harder long runs in order to make it all work. So sleep and fueling, you're already doing those things, but can you add a little bit to your sleep, even if it's just 30 minutes? a night? And can you establish a routine to make sure that you're getting the fueling you need after those key runs in particular? Because it's easier to establish that routine now than it is to worry about it later. And then beyond that, from a recovery standpoint, of course, we've got recovery running, which we've already talked about. You're going to have recovery or active rest day that should fall immediately after what will be your speed day and immediately after what will be your long run day. That's where you're creating the movement to create blood flow to promote healing. That's the third most important part of recovery, sleep fueling, recovery running, or active rest. Beyond that, beyond those three things, then it really, I think, looks individual for the person better sleep, better fueling, easy recovery running or active rest. That's going to work for everybody. Well, beyond that, what you incorporate into your routine, it's going to look a little bit differently depending on what you individually need. So for example, for some of you, you might need to be doing some self-massage to keep those muscles loose. For some of you, it might look like mobility work to make sure that your joints are mobile. For me, that's ankle mobility work that is consistently a part of my recovery routine in order to stay healthy as I go. I also will incorporate some foam rolling, particularly on my calves and glutes, 
That's a consistent part of my routine from week to week. For some of you, it might look like having a yoga class once a week. For some of you, it might look like meditation and breathing exercises. What that is going to look like for you depends on what your current activity looks like, what you know works for you. And that's where I would encourage you to really trust your intuition as to how to build the overall ecosystem of work and activity that's going to help you stay healthy. But it starts with sleep, fueling, and active rest. And then you have to decide what else that might include. For me, that includes a little bit of mobility work, a little bit of foam rolling, and that is essentially what makes up my recovery routine at the moment. But that's going to be personalized to the individual. It also might vary over time depending on what your needs are and how they change over time. So if you're coming back from a certain injury, part of your recovery might look like some rehab exercises or mobility exercises that you learned from a PT during that injury recovery so that you can keep that injury from coming back. And so beyond those three key elements of recovery, you need to figure out what that routine looks like for you and then find a way to fit it all in in a way that's sustainable. So that's Number eight, recovery routines. Number nine, most important overarching point is that you have to listen to your body along the way. And I encourage you as a part of this to really trust your instincts when it comes to these things. You have a coach who can help you. That's great too. So they can be an outside source to bounce ideas off of, to talk about how you're feeling in order to gauge how you should take steps forward. But you're ultimately the only one that really knows how you're feeling. And one of the things that's tricky about building your foundation or rebuilding your foundation for the, for the first time or whether you're doing it again for the 10th time is that you have to listen to your body. Your body's going to tell you along the way how to adapt and how to build and how to evolve that build so that you can stay healthy. And it's going to look differently. You're going to write a plan You're going to have a plan, but that plan is not ultimately how it's going to perfectly play out because your body's going to respond perhaps in a different way, or you might get sick along the way. You might have a little injury pop up or your schedule change at work might cause you to miss a day. It's not going to be perfect. And so you need to adjust and adapt and listen to your body. And when in doubt, I want you to be conservative at every single choice when you're in this building or rebuilding phase because if you're conservative, then that's going to give you longer runway. It's going to give you the ability to establish that foundation in a gradual way. So if if you're not feeling great or if you're feeling lingering fatigue and you need to repeat a week without building volume, do it. If you need to pull back on speed work at any point, if you've had the chance to add that, do it. If you need to slow down even more because your body is a little bit more sore after a given run, then do it. You have to listen to your body along the way. And if you're not listening to your body along the way, then you're probably going to do things to it that are going to cause it to break. So listen to your body, trust your instincts. When in doubt, take the conservative path. And that doesn't mean skipping runs necessarily. But that could look like repeating a week, repeating distances and days before you build again. It could also look like slowing down, 
more than you think you need. It could also look like heading out and instead of doing a run, doing a walk instead, if that's what your body is asking for, listen to it. Still move, still continue to take baby steps forward, but do it in a way that accommodates the feedback you're getting from your body. If it's too sore on a given day, slow down even more. If it's feeling lingering fatigue, repeat a week or even back off slightly on a week so that you can then build to a higher place. Again, listen to your body, trust your instincts, keep moving forward, but do it in a way that's sustainable. So that's number nine. And my final point is you have to listen to your body, adapt, adjust, make modifications to your plan as you go, and then keep moving forward, keep stacking days together, because if you can do that, and if you can stay healthy and consistent doing it, then your best days will still be ahead of you. So that's the final point of encouragement that I will give. So there you go, nine things to help you build a foundation for the first time or rebuild a foundation. Those are the rules to keep in mind as you do it. Again, what your individual journey will look like is going to vary, but those nine points will hopefully help you provide a framework for doing so in a safe way that will help you ultimately achieve your goals down the road. So to recap, keep it boring, establish that consistent routine, build days first, then distance, then add speed, keep most of those runs as easy as possible. If you're sore, that's okay. It's a sign you need to move again, so do so. Don't race yet. Be patient about when you sign up for that first race. Add strength now as a part of your routine, as well as those recovery modalities so that you can stay healthy as you do it. And then, of course, listen to and adapt to what your body is telling you along the way. We will wrap this episode here, episode 323. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to my sponsors for this episode, Better Help and Care Of. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.